so I can just pray a spiritual benediction and send you home. But uh, I'm glad to be here, uh, Pastor, your lead pastor, your wonderful lead pastor that's doing a fantastic job here, feeding us and, and uh, enjoying the word of God. I, I thank God for the very remembrance of him. I knew him when he was just knee high to a grasshopper. And it's a wonderful to see what God has done with his life. Uh, he called me up Friday. I was getting ready to go to New Philadelphia to see my old alma mater, Stumbo Big Red, play New Philly. And he said that his daughter living with him uh, acquired COVID and he's quarantined. And uh, would I preach for him? He apologized for the short notice. I told him that a preacher, Church of God preachers are like farm cooks. They always have something simmering on the back burner. <laughs> and so I just prayed and had him pray that God would let me take it off the back burner and put it on the front burner. And that's what you got this morning. You got the front burner. Uh, did uh, any of you ever hear Pastor Tweedle from Kentucky? Anybody? He graduated from Anderson University, and uh, he went back and got his DD, and now they call him Pastor Tweedle DD. <laughs> you know that's not true, don't you? All right, uh, I, I've got a teaching sermon uh, that I want to take a slow, methodical teaching sermon when Jesus was up on the mountain, it said he was set and he taught. So teaching sermons are often uh, appropriate. Uh, I would like to speak to you this morning uh, on the subject, the benefits of instant obedience to God. I would like to speak to each of you on this subject, the benefits of instant obedience to God. My text is on the screen, or was it? Anyways, the text is from KJV, the Song of Solomon 2.15. Let us take away the little foxes that spoil the vine. Let us take away the little foxes that spoil the vine. You see, beloved, it's not the big things that keeps us from instant obedience to God, but rather the small things. A Navy admiral on Fox News wrote a book on leadership. I didn't get it, I forgot his name, but anyways, I remember something he said. Uh, he said, do you want to change your world? He said, well, start making your bed in the morning. If you can't handle the small stuff, you'll never handle the big stuff. So uh, I'd like to expand on that. Uh, what are the benefits of instant obedience to God? Sounds like it's almost an impossibility with our world, instant obedience to God, but it's not. What are the benefits? The first benefit that a Christian begins to receive when they begin to instantly obey God, not procrastinate, not say, I'll, I'll do it later, Lord, but 
thus saith the Lord, when we instantly begin to obey God, one of the benefits are spiritual energy. You will get spiritual energy whenever you or I instantly obey God. In Luke 4.48, Jesus said this. He saw the disciples. Luke 4.48, he saw the disciples struggling at the oars. Now think of that. And as you think of that, I'm asking you this question. In your walk with God, are you struggling at the oars? Are you living the Christian life while you're living? Is it getting harder for you? Are you struggling at the oars? Are you overcoming temptation? Are you keeping yourself unspotted from the world, as James tells us? Listen to this. Please listen. Do you enjoy spending more time with your unsaved friends than you do with the body of Christ? Are you straining at the oars? How long do you want to struggle at the oars? Instant obedience brings spiritual energy. The church has too many anemic Christians. You know what anemic is. You're down in iron and you got face that's white, you have no energy. We have too many anemic Christians because we have not learned to obey God instantly. Spiritual energy comes from that. I don't care where you're living, what you're doing, what your job is. Spiritual energy comes from immediate obedience to God. I can do all things through Christ if you have immediate obedience to God. With immediate obedience to God, you can pray without ceasing. That sounds like it's impossible too, but Jesus asks us. He actually commands us to pray without ceasing. Well, we can do that if we have instant obedience to God. Some would say that a praying man will stop sinning, and a sinning man will stop praying. There is an element of truth to that. With spiritual energy, you can live above sin. The world doesn't believe that. Some theologies in churches don't believe you can live above sin. They teach you have to sin every day in thought or deed. But Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. How that we are dead to sin live any longer therein. If, you, if you're obedient, if you're instantly obedient to God, you can live above sin. If you're, if you're instantly obedient to God, you can love everybody. Do you love everybody? How about your neighbor when his pet poodle gets in your tulips? <laughs> do you love every, do you forgive everybody? We can, remember the song we sang at camp meeting years ago? Give me that old time religion. It was good for mom and dad. It was good for Paul and Silas. And one verse said, 
It'll make me love everybody. Now, that's, that's Christian living. It makes me love everybody. I remember an old king was dying, and that back then in the castle, they had spiritual advisors. And so the old king was dying, and they called in the spiritual advisor, and the old king said to him, well, what should I do before I die? And the spiritual advisor said to him, well, you, you've been fighting with this king, uh, and it would be good if you would forgive him the grudge you have against him. And the king said, go to him and tell him I forgive him. But just before the spiritual advisor went out of the castle, the old king raised up and said, mind you now, if I don't die, the old grudge holds true. <laughs> That's not biblical forgiveness, is it? I heard of a little boy who buried his black cat. He buried everything but the tail. And every once in a while, he pulled up the old cat to see if it was still there. When we ask forgiveness, we need to bury the cat and the tail too. Can you love everybody right now? What about, you know, we can bear the fruits of the Spirit. It's easy to bear the fruits of the Spirit in the sanctuary, isn't it? Oh, yeah. We can bear love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, Tim. What about when you're at work and you got one of those bosses that's just impossible to work for? What if you're a school teacher? God help you today. <laughs> but you see, when you instantly obey God, you have spiritual energy. Instant obedience to God gives us energy to face the world each day with a positive determination that says, get thee hence behind me, Satan. This is my father's world. You know, that phrase, get thee hence behind me, reminds me of a poor, uh, well, no, they had, there was a pastor and his wife, and they pastored a very small congregation they love the Lord, their people love them too. But they had to live frugal. Uh, I lived like that. I opened my wallet in August and a June bug flew out. So I have to live frugal too. You do too sometimes. But uh, the wife went shopping and she came home with a black silk dress outlined in uh, gold, and it was $168.95. When she come home, her husband, the pastor, said, oh, honey, we can't afford that. And she felt like the devil made her do it. And she, the husband said, well, honey, why didn't you use the scriptures? Why didn't you use the scriptures? She said, I did, I did. I said, get thee hence behind me, Satan. What did the devil say? He said, it looks great from back here, too. <laughs> God help us. God help us. Instant obedience to God gives us that energy to live each day with determination that says, this is my Father's world. The second thing, moving along, the second thing, instant obedience to God gives us not only spiritual energy, 
but spiritual guidance. All of you want to be spiritually guided. I do too, in our life, in our jobs, for our children, for our future, guidance with our money, guidance for the will of God. So with obedience, instant obedience to God, we have spiritual energy and then we have spiritual guidance. Let me ask you a question. Did anybody here ever commit the wilderness sin? If you did, hold up your hand. Well, you all must be Baptists. You never committed that sin. Well, I committed the wilderness sin. I'm not joking. I did. And I had to go to the Lord in my quiet time, in my closet of prayer, or I kneeled down beside my bed, and I had to ask God to forgive me for committing the wilderness sin. Now, you're going to ask me, what is the wilderness sin? Well, I'm going to read it to you out of the book of Psalm. Psalm 106, verse 13, latter portion, KJV. They waited not for his counsel. The wilderness sin is they waited not for the counsel of God. They waited not for the counsel of God. Now, you don't have to put your hand up, but think of it again. Did you ever commit the wilderness sin? Yeah, I see those hands. You may put them down. I see those hands. You may put <laughs> Well, you know, when we have instant obedience to God, we don't have to commit the wilderness sin. We can wait on him, and, and we get spiritual guidance. Now, spiritual guidance. What kind of spiritual guidance? Divine guidance. Now, there's all kind of guidance in the church and in the world. And be careful who you get your guidance from. Pray for people that come up to you and say, God told me to tell you. You can listen to them, but pray very much about that. I remember a bachelor, you know, my wife went to be with the Lord. She passed away of cancer 20 years ago, and uh, I'd been single ever since then. I wasn't made to be single, but evidently in 20 years, uh, I never found a woman that would put up with me. <laughs> I saw this beautiful woman. She was my age. She was single. She was a Christian. My age, she was 48, and... Uh, <laughs> I asked her what she thought of my beard. And she said, well, John, it, <clears throat> it looks like you swallowed a mule and everything went down but the tail. <laughs> well, I'm not marrying her. <laughs> when you obey God instantly, you get divine guidance. You get divine placement in his will. Now listen. Divine placement is the only place to have peace on earth. It's when you're divinely placed totally in his will. And divine placement is God divinely placed brother and sister Irby here. But listen, divine placement is not just for preachers and teachers and evangelists and missionaries. Divine placement is your God's will for you. He wants to divine place you where you live, where you work. That's your divine placement. And 
God will use you there. And if you instantly obey God, you will have divine placement. Someone said the steps, well, it's in the Bible, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. George Mueller, the great intercessory prayer person who prayed in $2 million to build his orphanages in England without asking for any donations. If you ever pick up the paperback about George Mueller, read it. Amazing answers to prayer. And uh, one time when he was up in his 90s, he was preaching, and a teenage Christian came to him and said, Brother Mueller, I want you to pray that I'll get out of bed and have my devotions in the morning. And George Mueller said, Son, I'll pray that God gets one leg out and you get the other leg out. <laughs> George Mueller said the divine, he said the the uh, steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, but he said, so are the stops. And that's true. When you're led by God, he'll not only lead you divinely and place you, but he'll stop you from making a mistake that you need to make. Let's move on very quickly. Divine peace, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. That's Paul the Apostle, and think of that. Paul the Apostle actually said, I have learned, I have learned to be at peace. I have learned to be content, whatever circumstances I'm in. That's Philippians 4.11. Now think about that for a while. We got a restless world. We have a restless society. If we mind God instantly, then we will be content in whatever the circumstances our, our life has. But it takes instant obedience to God. As we move on quickly, the benefits of instantly obeying God, spiritual energy, spiritual guidance, and also spiritual faith. This is most important. Paul said, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I want you to listen carefully so you don't miss this. This is most important. If you forget everything but this, it'll help you. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Spiritual faith gives you eyes of faith that can see the evidence of things not seen. Now hold on, I'm not getting fanatical here. This is in the book. Spiritual faith gives you eyes that can see things or can see the evidence of things not seen. You will begin to see things you have not been able to see before. You will see things that other people cannot see. And you begin to understand God in a greater new way because you're minding God instantly and you have spiritual energy, spiritual guidance, and spiritual faith that enables you to see the evidence 
of things not seen. Now, how does that work? When you're praying in the Spirit, doesn't this happen to you? Don't you get a witness that God answered your prayer even though you can't see it? Yes. And you know the answer is coming. And there's no way to see it. And you don't know how it's coming, but there's a divine witness that God has answered your prayer. And when that happens, you don't have to pray anymore. You can start praising. That comes from immediate obedience to God and spiritual faith. A spiritual faith enables you to trust God, don't you see? Even when dark clouds are on the horizon, even when all hope is gone, even when the devil and every imp of hell is on your shoulders, we can trust God. Even in the depths of grief and sorrow and loss, we can trust God. When when I watched my wife of 40 years die of endometrial cancer right before my eyes, I was helpless. Oh, I prayed, yes. I did all I could, but I watched her die in my presence. And they took her to hospice, and I was there. The family was there. I was afraid that, uh, you see, uh, endometrial cancer broke through the uterus and spread through her body. Uh, we were elated when they said, uh, you, the only thing you need is a hysterectomy, and we were thanking God, and here they found out that cancer broke through the linings, spread through her body, and now she was in hospice, and I was concerned. I told the doctor, uh, she's not going to choke to death, is he? I was concerned about that. He said, no, she'll slip into a coma, and she did. Now, I was there in all our family. Now, I... I met Ruth in high school uh, when I was about 16, and we dated. She was a high school sweetheart. Well, I wanted to know exactly when she passed away for some reason. There was a big clock on the wall. So, and I learned as a minister, be careful what you say to anybody that's in a coma because hearing is the last thing that goes. So I bent over Ruth, my high school sweetheart, and I said, Ruth, this is your husband, John. I love you more than life itself, but if you have to go, that's okay. That was her last goodbye. I looked at my watch. May 18th, at 3.18, she entered in the presence of God. Now, did I have depression? Yeah. Were there questions? Yeah. I lay prostrate on the, my floor praying with salty tears running down my face after the funeral. I grabbed the doorknob on my house and realized, I stopped for a few seconds and I realized this is the first time in 40 years I'm entering this house and Ruth won't be there. I'll never see her again baking Christmas cookies or telling me, please put your neckties away, John. Don't hang them on the doorknob. <laughs> but despite that, despite everything, even in the depths of my grief and sorrow and loss, I could say, as I prayed and prayed, and I dwelled in the sovereignty of God, 
I could say, even so, Father, for it seemed well in thy sight. That didn't come automatically. I had to keep obeying God and surrendering my loss to God. But I got to the place where I was able to say about Ruth going to heaven, even so, Father. I begged God in my prayers one night, weeping on my bed, salty tears soaking myself. I said, oh, God. I want my world back. I did. I wanted my beloved wife back. And God whispered in my ear something I'll never forget when I said, I want my world back. He said, John, I am your world. Okay, God. You see? Spiritual faith, we need it today. My sermon is over. Herein the lesson endeth. I'm going to close now. You've been so kind to listen to me this morning. I hope this, this cornbread sermon that I moved from the back burner to the front burner, I hope this teaching sermon has helped you and, and, and gets inside. Let me ask you a question. We're going to have uh, an altar call this morning because there may be someone here who wants to come forward. Would you come to the altar and pray, uh, take away the little foxes, God, that spoil my vine? Or maybe you would come and pray and say, Father, forgive me for the wilderness sin, because I waited not for the counsel of God. Would you kneel and pray, Father, this day give me grace and strength to begin to instantly obey you that I may have spiritual energy, spiritual guidance, and spiritual faith. May God bless his word as you stand.